sharing wisdom and speaking truth, this is the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IPHC Leadership Cast. I'm Garrett Magby and today we have a special interview conducted by IPHC General Superintendent Dr. Doug Beecham with pastor of Capital Pentecostal Holiness Church, Dr. Ryan Jackson. They will be discussing uh, the biblical basis for Christ's kingdom as we focus this year on Christ's kingdom as, uh, as our, our fourth core value. And now I will turn it over to IPHC General Superintendent, Dr. Doug Beecham. Since 2013, the IPHC has been talking about God's call for us in terms of being a place of hope and being a people of promise. In, in light of that, we've been looking at core values that help us identify who we are and what we are about. One of those is, of course, we prayerfully value Scripture. That's our first core value. You'll see the impact of that in a few minutes as we continue talking about the kingdom of God. The second is we prayerfully value Pentecost. That's who we are. We're people of the Spirit. The third is we prayerfully value holiness. And now for 2017, our focus is on we prayerfully value Christ's kingdom. I'm delighted to have with me for a series of conversations on the kingdom of God. Now, Dr. Ryan Jackson. Dr. Jackson is a graduate of Emmanuel College. Uh, he is married to Emily, formerly Wood, mm -hmm. who uh, grew up and, uh, in the Pentecostal Church and also at Emmanuel College. Her, her father was an executive in this denomination. Uh, I've known Ryan for many years. Uh, he's one of the brightest and most uh, committed followers of Jesus that I know. He is the pastor of the Capital Pentecostal Holiness Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. After finishing at Emmanuel, he went to Gordon-Conwell uh, Theological Seminary where he completed his Master of Divinity. And then from there went to Cambridge University in England uh, with a Master of Philosophy and then completed a Ph.D. Uh, in uh, Pauline studies, uh, particularly the study in 1 Corinthians of Paul's new creation. Uh, an excellent, by the way, dissertation which has been published. Uh, we are delighted to have him for uh, this series of conversations about the kingdom of God. Ryan, welcome. Thank Good you. Good to have you here it's with us. It's great to be here. Yeah. I want to start this conversation. Our, our opening focus this year is on the biblical basis of the kingdom of God. When I think about this, it seems to me that you almost have to go back to the creation narratives with some view of... Uh, uh, what God's original intention was uh, with Adam and Eve, and then the the devastating effects of the fall. Yes, it's almost like a kingdom was lost. Yes, and and one can think of the gospel, not not simply as something that happened in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament writers talk about the gospel in essence being in the Old Testament. Mm. Um, would you talk some about that in terms of? Uh, of those Genesis, Genesis narratives. Yes. Yes. In fact, let's let's turn there uh, to Genesis if we can. Um, in fact, I'm glad you brought up the creation 
narrative because the kingdom of God is not a plan B. Right. I think uh, we get into we get into some trouble scripturally if we and theologically if we sort of see what God was trying to do in the Old Testament is somehow categorically different from what He's trying to do in the New Testament. I, I think that the story of God's uh, plan of redemption is consistent from, from Genesis to, to Revelation. There's one overarching meta-narrative that, that covers all of Scripture. And so what God really wants to do, He begins with Adam and Eve. And uh, so when, when He created Adam and Eve and He placed them in the garden, uh, he, he says to them, this is chapter 1, verse uh, 29, I've given you every plant yielding seed. Uh, but before that, he says in verse 28, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. This is the English Standard Version I'm using. Uh, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there's part then of what it means to reflect the image of God mm-hmm. that is connected to God's kingdom rule that was established right there in the book of Genesis. Right. The um, ancient background for that is really important. In the ancient world, um, parties related, particularly political parties, related to one another in uh, terms of covenant. And so uh, there were kings and rulers who were over vast tracts of land and vast areas of domain. And then there were smaller rulers, and those, those larger rulers were called suzerains. And the smaller rulers were called vassals. So if we could think of, if you could think of suzerains as kind of like, um, think of maybe like the president of the United States, for example. And then maybe think of a vassal like maybe a governor of a state. The president is over, say, the federal government of the United States and over a, a much larger territory and has to some degree authority over those smaller territories. And then there's those smaller governors who have, uh, have charge over the things in their region or the things that, that most directly touch their More lives. limited authority. That's right. And they have some autonomy. There's some autonomy between the states and the U.S. federal government. In the ancient world, uh, there was a, a similar system. And the way these covenant parties would relate to one another was that these suzerain kings would come in and would say, listen... Uh, we have a powerful army. We have ten thousands upon ten thousands. You have hundreds, maybe thousands. So here's the deal. Right. Uh, you pay me tax, and you honor me as your king. If you get in trouble, I'll come help you. Right. And in return, I won't burn down your house and rape your wife and kill your children. Right. Seemed like a pretty good deal, you know, yeah. to those vassal kings. So those kings would commit allegiance to the suzerains. And then the suzerains would commit allegiance to the vassal. But then this kind of language that appears in Genesis, the reason this, is, this historical background is so important for the ancient Near Eastern context is that this language that appears in Genesis is actually a reflection of that ancient Near Eastern context. Hmm. And so um, what it means is when God communicates this prime directive to Adam, it's a suzerain king communicating to a vassal king. So he intends, like the suzerain intended the vassal, God intends Adam to be his representative authority on right. earth. Right. And it's, it's about establishing 
the righteous reign of God in the world that he created right from the very beginning. Right, which, which takes you, it takes me at least, and I think about it, to Romans 5, mm. where Paul starts talking about the failure of the first Adam mm. and the coming of the second Adam. Yes. Uh, what, what happened? What was lost uh, in Genesis 3 mm. in the fall? What, what impact occurred kingdom-wise mm. in Genesis 3? Yeah, that's a powerful text as well. So when uh, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they were placed there as, as God's representatives, which meant they had the authority to pass the judgment of the sovereign on any creature that would violate the laws or the character of the sovereign. Mm -hmm. uh, the fascinating thing is that in the Old Testament, uh, there's this theme of judgment attached to a tree. Uh, if you think about um, the palm of Deborah, for example, in the Judges, Deborah held court under a tree. Uh, the Old Testament text from Deuteronomy that Paul quotes, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Right, right. When David's son Absalom is so rebellious and leads this uh, rebellion against his own father, how does Absalom die? His hair is caught up in a tree yeah. because the tree is the symbol in the Old Testament of God's judgment. The corporate way of executing uh, criminals in the Old Testament was, of course, stoning. And so if you wanted to put somebody to death, you stoned them. But if you really wanted to invoke the power of God's curse That's over, right. over the one, you hung them from a tree. And so that was because the tree was the place of judgment. So Adam and Eve, placed in the garden by God, had a responsibility to pass judgment on Satan. As, as they stood beneath that tree, both of them had a mandate from God, being created in the image of God. Both Adam and Eve had a divine mandate on their lives to reflect the image of their creator right. and to take on the role of the judge and the, and the vassal who reflects the authority and the will of the suzerain. And so Adam and Eve standing under that tree should have passed judgment on Satan and cast the serpent out. They were in covenant relationship with the Creator. That's right. And at that, that moment of temptation, they broke covenant. God didn't break covenant. They broke covenant. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And that helps us understand exactly why we get the next passage. So when God comes on the scene then and calls out to Adam and Eve, uh, he, he calls out to them from a context of a relationship. Mm. Where are you? Wow. Yep. Not that he didn't know where they were. He didn't come on the scene just saying, you broke the law. He came on calling out for the broken relationship. Yep. And, of course, both Adam and Eve bore the responsibility of breaking that covenant commitment to God himself. And so they all, Adam, Eve, and the serpent, even creation itself, mm -hmm. bore the effects of the covenant curse that came as a result of the broken covenant. Right. And so the Lord turns to the serpent and says in verse 14, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Literally, the word there is 
seed, yeah. and it's in the singular between between the pro, between your progeny, between what between those uh, descendants that come from your line, and the singular that's, that's seed all humanity. that will come from her line. That's exactly that's right. right. And he, this is referring to an individual now. This is a person. He will bruise your head. He will. Bru- he shall bruise your head, and you shall uh, bruise his heel. So the concept is, there's going to come a seed of this woman that is going to be in enmity, locked in mortal combat with with you, Satan, and your descendants, and all of those affected by your uh, by your uh, evil sort of. Uh, a way of thinking, way of living, way of... Scheme against the kingdom. Scheme against the kingdom. Beautiful way to put that. And there's going to be this mortal combat, this spiritual combat that happens, and you're going to strike him, and you will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. He, will, he, mm-hmm. he gets, he gets, the, he gets the, the deadly blow. Which here. is the death of Jesus. Which is the death of Jesus is actually the strike on the heel. Because the serpent strikes his heel and it it appears to be a deadly wound. But Jesus' heel crushes the head of the serpent. So you think that you are going to win because you strike his heel, but he will crush your head. This is why Paul later in Romans says you can... Satan is crushed under your feet. He will crush this. Yes, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Exactly, exactly tied to this text. That's a great, great picture. I think it's important as we talk about the kingdom of God that we understand how significant these opening chapters of Genesis are. God's original purpose, the reality of the fall. It's part of the problem we have in the modern world today. Mm. People, people don't accept that we're fallen creatures. Yes. So, so, so we're trying to f- fix our world and our lives with a false understanding of a kingdom. That's right. Our own kingdoms. You've got a, um, a pretty significant way of thinking about the rest of the Old Testament. And in our next segment, uh, Ryan's going to talk to us about some of that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.